How does someone from Florida handle the Utah snow? What is life like here at the University of Utah School of Medicine for a first-year medical student? And finally, what is proper protocol when someone stiffs you for paying for a pizza when you deliver it to their door? Today on Talking Admissions and Med Student Life, I interview Brian, a rising second-year medical student. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. All right, welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. We've got a great guest today, uh, Brian, brand new second year med student, correct? Correct. Awesome. And I know, Brian, you... Uh, you came to our medical school from the great state of Florida, right? Yes, Miami, Florida. And you grew up in Florida. I did. So what's it like being from Florida coming to Utah? How is that transition? It is amazing. Um, one thing I can say is that this state is unbelievable. The humidity being no humidity or very little is just something I love. I've, I've lived my whole life in Florida, and uh, it's great, but... You know what? This is the state I love now. So, mm-hmm. now being from Florida, there's a lot of stereotypes. You know, mm-hmm. is it true that people get a pass to Disney World so everyone goes, <laughs> <laughs> everyone I has wish. an alligator in their backyard? So, well, actually, that's funny you ask. Like, um, I wish I had the pass to Disney World, but uh, no, um, there's definitely an alligator in everyone's backyard. <laughs> okay. Any body of water, I swear, there's an alligator in it. And mm-hmm. uh, growing up, like swimming in those lakes, now I realize how stupid that was. But mm-hmm. um, definitely true. That that definitely. Is not a rumor. Did you ever get in those like those like boats powered by the big fan, like in the Everglades? Is yeah, it, yeah, airboat okay. rides. Okay, we, airboats. Yeah. We, oh, sure. Mm-hmm. We were in South Florida, so um, it's just part of growing up there, and um, such a fun su- fun summer activity. And you can you can go on those long rides and get lost mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere and hope that you make it back. But <laughs> it's a fun time. Awesome. Place. So, um, what did you do to prepare for medical school? Because I know you applied to a lot of different places and you got into many different places. So, yeah. first of all, how did you prepare? Um, well, I, I really put the focus on um, extracurricular activities. Um, I decided to be involved on campus with um, different, different, um, not necessarily honor societies or um, you know biology societies or things that had to do with science, but just in general, um, any leadership I could find. Um, also, I, I grabbed an internship that was offered when I was a freshman with the National Multiple Sclerosis Society and um, got involved there, um, it, which linked me up with research. And I did research in neurology, which was um, super uh, fun. Actually, I really enjoyed it. And um, also, I just really tried hard to keep my, my grades as high as I could. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew if I did those things that my, my chances would be pretty good. Awesome. And I know you got into a lot of different places and, you know, and I'm going to reveal some stuff about the missions office, Brian, like, yeah. cause like, um, <laughs> at a certain point in the process, medical schools can see where all the applicants got in, you know, right. and it's not till the very end. And then we can tell on our end, like, oh, wow, Brian's a Florida resident and you got into many Florida medical schools. Right. So I was a little bit of uh, skeptical that you would actually come all the way here to Utah. <laughs> but I remember very clearly when I talked to you on the phone, you were perhaps the most excited of all the people <laughs> I've ever talked to. So yeah. I said, okay, I think Brian's definitely coming. So tell me, walk me through that. I, so, Oh, man, that was like the best day of my life. Um, I, I, I knew when I saw an 801 area code that the chances were good that this was just my dream come true. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you said it's Dr. Chan from admissions, my heart just dropped. I was in the middle of working at the pizza restaurant. It was mm-hmm. a lunch shift. It was like 1230. And I was like, Oh my goodness, I can't mm-hmm. even believe it. Um, 
Yeah, I came to, to Utah, even being out of state, um, it was it was a huge decision, but one that I knew was the correct decision. And after being here for a full year, I realized that I have not made a poor decision at all. It's been the best decision of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, my class is just so tight knit. Um, we know each other. We're, we're such a strong group of people. The, the different people come from all over the world. I mean, our class is unique and different, and that's what I love. Um, but it was tough to leave Florida because I've lived there my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, this was definitely the right choice, and it's a life-changing experience mm-hmm. coming to the University of Utah. And uh, you have some family connections here, correct? That's, yeah. That's kind of, I think that's what part of your, drove your decision. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my wife's family um, mm-hmm. lives in American Fork and um, just all over, actually, Utah. We have um, probably over 100 of uh, her side of the family here. Um, and it was, we've been married 10 years this year. So it was 10 years. Huge, wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, thanks. Yeah. The, the opportunity to live closer to her family was um, something I couldn't turn down, but mm-hmm. um, more than that, the school just really was where I wanted to go and mm-hmm. academically and extracurricular. I mean, this school is just incredible. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we got you, Brian. Um, and I'm glad you made the trip all the way out here. So how was your first Thank winter you. of snow? How did that go? Oh, it was incredible. I loved oh, it. Okay. I, okay. So I've never seen snow in my life. I mean, literally really? the coldest, I have no jacket. <laughs> Jackets. I own no sweaters. I actually probably owned – yeah, I had no winter clothes. Mm-hmm. And um, when it first started getting the 50s and, and 40s, I was like in heaven. And it's just it's been great. Um, I did invest in a pair of boots and, you know, like made a few – you know, graceless falls into the snow and slipped on the ice quite a few times, but um, it was just a wonderful winter. Something I did not expect was learning how to drive in the snow. I uh, I have skill. to say, it's a, it's, it's a learned skill. Yes. It is a it is a beast. But um, in any, fact, any accidents? No, no okay. accidents. Um, on my interview day, it was actually in I believe um, right when the first snow came, and um, I actually drove in the snow for the first time on the morning of my interview here, mm-hmm. and um, I kind of got lost outside the building because I was unfamiliar being from Florida. I've never been to the campus before, and um, I was covered in snow, and I had no idea that if you could just fluff your jacket off, and the, the powder is so dry mm-hmm. that I, I thought, oh no, my interview's over before it even started. I'm soaking wet. This is not good. I have like I look like I'm a snowball. I have white hair, white jacket, and I just went into one of the the side rooms and just popped off my jacket and I was like had not even been outside in the snow and it was incredible so i uh, love the winter wow oh i'm glad you made it here so let's talk about your first year mm-hmm. um what's the biggest surprise you know because like i talk to a lot of medical students a lot of incoming students a lot of pre-medical students and there's a lot of apprehension anticipation anxiety about medical school and i'm sure you felt that way a year Absolutely. ago so what was the biggest surprise what could you say was the biggest surprise about your first year um, my biggest surprise was that everybody was in the same boat I was in. Um, I thought, wow, I'd, I'd be the least prepared and everybody else would be super prepared. Or, we were all about the same. We were all prepared just fine. But um, none of us were you know, going in, you know, rocking every single test. Um, it took a lot to get used to um, not excelling in everything, like 100% on everything. I mean, we do as best we can on our exams, but like you just can't score 100 on every test your mm-hmm. whole life. Um, and it, it's definitely a humbling experience being able to um, to learn a lot of skills that, that are difficult and challenging, but that were really rewarding. At the end of the year, looking back on all I learned, I just was blown away at the amount of information I was able to learn and, and how useful the information mm-hmm. is. So what would you say was the most challenging part of medical school? Like, what, what, mm-hmm. what, what, uh, Was there a specific area that was challenging or was there something that – or was it the way we're doing the testing here? What would you say is the most challenging? Um, no, the, t- the testing is reasonable. The most challenging part was, was being able to, 
to process the amount of information that came at us. I mean, they, they told us our first couple of days, some of the second years told us when we were first years coming in, that it's like drinking from a fire hose. Mm-hmm. It was almost just like trying to really retain um, an incredible amount of information in a, a short amount of time. Um, and that could be the clinical side too. It, it was it was really great to see patients within our first day of class. Mm-hmm. But um, it was challenging to learn how to do the physical exam with um, – with very, you know, very important people watching and, and taking good care mm-hmm. of the patients. And so that was really challenging. So what I think you're referring to, Brian, is the longitudinal clinical experience, the LCE, where even as a first-year med student, I, I mean, if I recall correctly, they you were introduced to your first patient like the first week of med school, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we really pride ourselves on that because, again, you know, not just here at the University of Utah School of Medicine, but nationwide, there's a movement to expose uh, the medical students like in the first year of patient care, learning physical exam skills, how to interview a patient, things like that. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So, um, all right. So I know something else that you did during the first year is you decided to become politically active. Correct? <laughs> yes. All right. So where, where did this come from? Um, you know, I never had to uh, run for any uh, political office. I, I ran for class, class, um, class co-president. And, um, you know, I just felt that because I'm from out of state and this was such an important school and something I really am passionate about, I wanted to, to share that passion with my class. And um, I, I could, you know, people could say, oh, well, you're just saying, no, I really do love the University of Utah School of Medicine um, enough that it, it's it's worth my time to invest in taking the initiative to be a class, um, you know, leader. And um, I work with with an amazing co-president. He's wonderful in a class council. And so, um, so would you say he's like one of your close friends? He is actually. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, it's, it's amazing that I was lucky enough to be able to work with him cause I voted for him. So <laughs> you don't always get the yeah. chance to, uh, work. So there's with two co-presidents. There is. So you're the second year co-president. Yes. Um, and what was your platform? What'd you run on? Um, what, what promises did you make? Yeah. <laughs> like I, I ran on basically, um, FaceTime with other people. Basically I want to, uh, talk to my class one to one. You know, it, it, you can get into the grind and just lose track of, of half your class, a quarter of your class. I mean, when I when I ran for for co president, I, I hope this doesn't uh, give anyone ideas if they decide to run because it's it takes forever. But I emailed every single person in the class individually mm. and um, you know addressed addressed the email to them and um, talked to them about why I wanted to run. And you know what I realized when I was doing that, we used the the lookbook. It's a book that the admissions office gave us our our first day of class to um, to get to know our our fellow students. And I realized I didn't know everybody that well i i actually didn't know some people's names still and it was you know halfway through the year and so i realized wow i really want to get to know my class better mm-hmm. awesome so you emailed everyone and did people kind of email you back and say hey we want this this and this <laughs> yeah there's okay. there's no shortage of things people want okay. to, what's to the number one thing people want um yeah so uh, people just really want to see the class you know get a unified you know basically one unified group there's mm-hmm. there can sometimes and just like in high school or in, in um undergrad there can be some groups that 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 you know some people like skiing so there's like the people that ski and then some mm-hmm. people like mountain biking there's people mountain bike but um everyone wants to see the class kind of get together and and do activities together mm-hmm. and kind of socialize together and get to be closer because mm-hmm. we're going to spend the rest of our lives in touch with each other yeah so that was really the main thing so i guess what i'm hearing from you is like maybe more class activities this yeah coming year bonding time mm-hmm. people want to do social events and, mm-hmm. and food and fun really because yeah. we we work so hard it, we want to play hard too yeah so now i think you have a massive budget to like pull this off correct <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah almost nothing but okay. um it, it it's uh it, it's doable all we, right we could all bring a 
a you know side dish and it works. Yeah, I remember I was an <laughs> RA in college, and uh, we would ha- like depending where uh, you know what school you know because I I so I was an RA in college as well as in medical school. I was an RA for a couple oh, wow. of years. I remember that I had a lot more funds in college to play with than I did in graduate school <laughs> because like because like yeah. more money is going toward tuition, et cetera, et cetera. So <laughs> yeah. I, I remember uh, one of the funnest things we did in college was uh, go to Chunky Cheese. Oh was, wow! As uh, as college age kids, that was super fun. <laughs> but then like. Uh, by the time I got to grad school as an RA, uh, we were only able to get a few pizzas yeah, <laughs> <laughs> back at the dorm. So yeah, the limit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no more ski ball and all that. It was kind of ah, that's the best. Well, awesome. All right, so so Brian, sounds like first year is going great. Um, and let's talk about this summer. So this is the summer in between your first and second year, and I think you're involved in research, the summer research program. Yeah, can you tell our listeners more about that? Yeah. So um, the school is really amazing. They they have a lot of opportunities for research. I was just blown away at just how many of our students were able to. Um, be funded with a stipend and get the summer research grant. Um, I I decided to work with um, one of the most amazing physicians I've met, Dr. Randy Jensen, mm-hmm. and um, he's in the Department of Neurosurgery. He has a lab that um, I'm working with him to research interoperative MRI and um, uh, glioblastoma and uh, meningiomas, and just a wonderful opportunity to learn more about um, medicine. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And so how much is the stipend this year? Um, I believe it was close to five. I actually um, decided to pass on it. We had a, a baby the last week of classes. Okay. So I wanted to make sure that I had my schedule flexible. My wife actually is uh, started work already. So mm-hmm. if um, if I took the stipend, I, d- I didn't want to, and believe me, it would have been great to have that extra cash. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to make sure I was flexible enough to make sure we got a good a good summer for my wife to have the, the support at home. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I didn't miss a beat. The lab um, was was open and um, willing to take me on as many hours as I possibly wanted. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I, I do know that every single one of the, the classmates I have that applied for the stipend um, was funded. Okay. So from here from you is, is that there sounds like there's two options. You can do research and be funded and not funded, but there's still opportunities there. Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. And, you know, and you didn't, you didn't want to get tied down. Right. Cause like you wanted the flexibility of supporting your family. Exactly. Okay. And, and um, there are people that go to, you know, Africa, the Ethiopia, they, they do their, their research for a few, you know, eight weeks, six weeks. And then they spend the rest of their summer mm-hmm. um, out of the country on vacation. They go and uh, just have, some time here in Utah alone to mm-hmm. relax and ski and you know mountain bike or do whatever they do when they have um, they have off time. Yeah, awesome. So Brian, you kind of mentioned uh, your new baby. Congratulations! Oh, thanks. Uh, and I think one thing that's unique about our medical school um, is that so many of our medical students are married, and yeah. a percentage of those married do have children. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, can you just talk more about that, uh, you know, kind of that, that family atmosphere? Because you definitely know, because, like, you know, there are uh, some, there are a handful of picnics that I'm invited to sure. uh, <laughs> where the med students are. And yeah. I'm just struck by, you know, and usually they have them at parks where there's playgrounds yeah. and there is, there's a large amount of children. And so, like, just how, how is that as, as a student that knows some of your classmates are kind of in the similar phase of life that you're in? Yeah, it's great. Um, there's a lot of unique um, people that have, I mean, there, there's some people in my class that have multiple kids. Kids. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I actually don't know how they do it because one is, is a handful for me, but um, it's great because they have a good perspective of um, family life and um, their their priorities are, are usually grounded in, in school and family and having a good balance. And there is definitely a balance that you can achieve. Um, you don't have to just go 90 hours a week um, to the wall. You can actually spend some time with your family while studying and, and doing well in medical school. But um, it's it's been wonderful because 
you know, getting to know my classmates, I realized some of them had been nursing. Um, they had, you know, spent a career in nursing. They had mm-hmm. been, um, you know, in other careers. Um, and then they decided to come back to medical school. And, you know, there are some that are 19 just out of college. And I don't know how they graduated at, you know, 19 years old, but they're already started medical school. So mm-hmm. we have a unique, diverse group. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just bring some, some unique perspectives to our class. Yeah. Ballpark, how many, uh, what percentage of your classmates do you think are, are married or like in serious relationships? I, I would say... More than half, okay. Probably half, or more. I mean, it's it's hard to to say an mm-hmm. exact number, but a great deal mm-hmm. are um, are married or have kids mm-hmm. or are committed relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, to close out, Brian, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. You kind of mentioned something a little bit earlier. You're working at a pizza place, yeah. So, and I know, I remember when I was talking to you, you, you mentioned to me like like back in that original phone call, you were working at a pizza place. So. Um, how many pizza places have you worked? How old yeah. were you when you started? Okay, so I started pizza when I was eight years old at CC's Pizza. It used to be a two ninety nine all you can eat pizza, pasta, salad, and dessert buffet. You started working when you're eight. Yeah. Does well, Florida have different? No, child no, no. Labor I, okay, so I worked with my family, my my <laughs> oh, mom okay. and dad. Um, I yeah, I wasn't. Say, wow. I I probably wasn't allowed to work, but I did what I could. Okay. Um, and then uh, we. So you come from a family of pizzerias. Pizzerias. Okay. Yes, we we did that, and then we opened um, a big pizza restaurant that uh, serviced by 400 people. It was brick oven pizza. And um, we transitioned from that into um, Little Caesars Pizza, where I worked for six and a half years mm-hmm. doing um, everything you can think of. Um, I, I've loved every single minute of pizza making. I can still make pizza at home in my uh, kitchen barefoot and uh, just put the yeast together, let it proof in the fridge and make an awesome pizza. But um, I'm looking forward to never having to work a pizza job again, mm-hmm. maybe eating pizza more than working with it. But So um, <laughs> how many different pizza places have you worked at? It has CC's. Been, is there someone named CC in your family? No, no. It's it's like a uh, chain. Um, okay. Oh, it's a it's franchise. A chain. Yeah. Okay, okay. But um, I've worked at, at, at counting like different locations. Uh, four, five, six, six pizza places. Okay. Six different stores. Okay. Who had the best pizza? That's tough. Um, I'm putting you on the spot. You're on the hot seat. Uh, yeah, uh, probably our, our homemade brick oven pizza. It was called Wise Guys um, Italian Brick Oven. It was um, a concept my dad came up with and um, decided to, to run with it. And uh, it was just incredible pizza. We made it from scratch. It was it was the best. Okay, so you're you're obviously a pizza expert or a pizza <laughs> aficionado. <laughs> I'm aficionado. You are you're a transplant here to Utah, but now that you yes. know you're Utah, you know you're a Utah guy now. I am. What places in Utah would you recommend? Ooh, the pie, the pie pizzeria. The pie pizzeria. Yeah. Why do you like the pie? Tell me about it. Walk you know, me through this. I, I, is it the crust? Is it the cheese? It, you know, I, I it, want analysis. It is, it is the toppings. Okay. It is. It is. Right. It's. It's the culmination of. And you know, maybe it's because we we get that pizza at the end of a, a long uh, class day, and somehow somebody gets the pizza and brings it. And it just tastes so much better when you're mm-hmm. when you're half asleep and you're starving, hungry. But mm-hmm. it's delicious, and um, yeah, you, I pile the toppings up. I mean, my wife would contest; like, she'll take the toppings off and eat the cheese pizza by itself, and, mm-hmm. and I'll just take all of her toppings. Now, with your wife, does pizza factor <laughs> into your like love story or courtship? Anyway, was there pizza? Like, did you get to her heart through? stomach or oh man um so i have to admit she's worked with me at the the little caesars um it's great actually i have some great pictures of Was her. that before or after you met a- after we met oh, okay. yeah okay um, and you didn't fall in love at the P- not caesars. Okay. not okay. well actually when we were dating i uh i took her and made her a heart-shaped pizza at um at cc's pizza back this is this is more than 12 years ago mm-hmm. um i i remember when we were both 16 we made the uh the heart-shaped pizza and i cut it into three pieces and 
I, I don't know that I won her hard over with my amazing pizza skills, but I definitely think that I made a, uh, a pizza lover out of her. Okay. What's what's something that people don't realize about the pizza industry or working at a pizza place? What's something that would be surprising for the average person to know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was surprised that basically a pizza, I mean, relatively cheap. It costs maybe a dollar. The box probably costs just as much as the pizza. Really? Um, wow. Yeah, because y- you, like, you, you would never had any – I had never had any idea that the pizza was, I don't know, two bucks when you're buying it for i mean some of these places are twenty dollars for a pizza that mm-hmm. literally is 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 two dollars so so the profit margins oh enormous. it's eno- it's enormous okay All right. and uh, and a lot of pizza at uh certain places gets um doesn't get get, get eaten like at little little caesar so it's actually donated to the homeless and oh wow and people that, that, that mm-hmm. don't have the the means so it's great it doesn't yeah. get to waste awesome um, did you deliver? Did you do deliveries? I, I have. I All have. right. Let's, I want to hear a story. Let's oh, talk, man. Story. Let me give you some uh, parameters. Story where you were scared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Or, or tip money or, or strangeness opening that door. Do you, do you have a story that you can – that's like PG-ish that you can share on the podcast? Oh, right? man. Um, I, or, I, you know, this is back in Florida, so there could be an alligator involved. So. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, there's been some amazing tips. I mean, people were just like, you know, so gracious. I don't even know why they gave me that much money for a tip. But Biggest tip did. you got. Um, I, I've, I've got a $100 tip before. Wow. That's a lot of pizza to sling. But um, okay. we did a delivery for the middle school, actually, where we delivered um, uh, 600 students, ate about 130 pizzas. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't actually tip. The middle school didn't tip. But, um, but that was a big delivery order that I did every week um but besides that there was my most disastrous order was a, a church actually they ordered but they didn't give us the the name of the church it just said the church on such and such road and you know in florida there's like it, it, this at the place i was working at the time there's like six churches on that road so mm-hmm. i went to every single church knocked on every door no one was at any of these buildings and i drove all i mean i was sweating bullets it was it was an hour late because i couldn't find the the people to take the pizza i finally got back to the restaurant and they called again so so angry where's our food where's our food mm-hmm. and they realized they didn't give me the uh the address mm-hmm. and so they were they were okay with it in the end but that was stressful well i'm glad to have you because I, I just all these questions are bubbling up so what what is the protocol when you deliver a pizza and then refuse to pay? Do you just uh, walk away, or is there, or, or you know, because like things can get kind of testy and dangerous. Man, so is, yeah. is there is there a set protocol, or you, you know what, or does like, that coming out of your does that come out of your wages? Or it, how, no, it it does. Like in what it, sometimes people say, oh, well, I didn't order it with. <laughs> you don't know if they really did or not because you didn't take the order necessarily. But they're mm-hmm. like, I didn't order it with pepperoni. But I want the pizza for free, and you just cannot do that. You mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, if we made a mistake, then you know it's it's on us, but. I mean, you can't just order a, an 18 topping pizza and say I didn't want pineapple on it, and then end up wanting it for free. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's out of your pocket. You don't bring the. the so people cash will try back. to pull that all the time. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the strangest pe- people will try the strangest things when it comes to pizza. I mean. Let's be honest. Sometimes at four in the morning, when when some of the places I've worked were were twenty four hours, four in the morning, people are a little bit out there mm-hmm. um, ordering pizza in their underwear. I mean, they can they can mm-hmm. forget that they even ordered the pizza. So it's it's been crazy. Okay. And uh, Super Bowl biggest day of the year? Oh, hundred percent, definitely the okay. biggest day of the year. Just an enormous amount of pizza orders. Is that, is that, is that kind of like all hands on deck? You, it is. You call everyone yes. in. You cannot take that day off. Okay, it is absolutely re- forbidden. But the thing is, is once um, halftime is over, usually it just gets this like it's like a hurricane. There's like an eye in the middle of the storm, and it's like this quiet where nothing happens. Like people are full, they're not ordering pizza, and it's just like wow, okay, it's quiet again, mm-hmm. and then boom, it just explodes again with phone okay. calls, right. orders, <laughs> and. And all these places you worked, was there like a free 
pizza eating policy because you work there? Or do you get kind of like, oh, I can't handle this stuff. Okay. I'm around it all day. The smell. I just can't eat it. Like, how's that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We were joking with the guys at 7-Eleven. You know how they sell hot dogs at 7-Eleven? We're like, we get so sick of pizza. It's like the guy at 7-Eleven getting sick of hot dogs. Like, Mm -hmm. I would, we would just absolutely eat pizza till our stomachs couldn't handle it anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, But the wonderful thing about pizza, and I learned this, is it's, unbelievable currency you can trade it for anything so you could go to subway and trade a large pizza wow. for two foot long subs and no questions asked i mean it's it's like the the ultimate currency so are you telling me that like you guys to help you know you don't have to name names here but like to yeah. help kind of you know for your own meals you would kind of make a pizza and then kind of use it as barter or trade Ab- with like yes. with, with, with establishments kind of in the area so definitely how much so two subways equal one pizza was uh, it? yeah or okay. more um depends on what i make the pizza like but my favorite absolute bar none i don't know if there's cold stone creamery here in utah there are sure cold there stones are. yeah I, I had a, a friend at Coldstone that just absolutely loved pizza. I mean, more than I do. And I, I love pizza. And so they would, um, they'd make us that custom, like, I mean, this huge, like, gallon of Coldstone ice cream and trade it for a pizza. I was, I was just in heaven. I love ice cream. Mm-hmm. I love pizza. But man, like, Coldstone is awesome. So that wow. was the ultimate trade. Wow. Well, Brian, like, this has been fascinating to learn about. Um, <laughs> I guess, you know, my only tip for you is, you know, if you're going to do more activities with your class, we need to get your pizza making abilities. Absolutely. And kind of invite your classmates. And I think that have they have they experienced? Do they know about this? They probably don't know about it. Okay, I they mean, don't know about your pizza no. skills. Okay. I, well, I don't know if skills, but ability. to Oh, come on! Since eight years old, those are skills. Stuff my face with pizza. I can oh, do. Okay. <laughs> well, cool. I think you should definitely bring your classmates together, make some pizza. Well, Brian, we're excited to have you. I'm glad your first year is going well, and I'm glad you're doing research. And congratulations. On the 10-year anniversary, congratulations on your new baby. Thank you. And we'll have to have you back on the podcast in the future. Thank you, Dr. Chan. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.